0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Brian
1: Kilmead. I'm Kennedy. I'm Sean Duffy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, August 25th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. Six long months into this Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's a fair question to ask, could the United States be doing more to help? Maybe this isn't a question of sending help, but more changing policies.
0: We have these massive pots of money that are being deployed by USAID, by the State Department, for for heaven knows what.
1: This is the Fox News Rundown. War on Ukraine. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. The United States has cracked down on Russia with big sanctions after the Russian military attacked Ukraine. But did our sanctions actually hurt Russia enough? And how about the fact that we're negotiating with Russia on the Iran nuclear deal?
0: You know, it's really a remarkable uh, sort of milestone this this week of of six months of war in ukraine with what was supposed to be a three-day war
1: our guest today victoria coates former deputy national security advisor to president trump these days she's with the heritage foundation out of washington dc
0: well certainly you know russia is supposed to be one of the world's leading militaries and should have crushed ukraine one would say (laughs) uh five months and and 28 days ago uh The Ukrainians have really held on in an extraordinary way, largely through the generosity of American taxpayers. We've poured about ten and a half billion dollars into the conflict uh, with the additional three billion the president announced this week. But my main concern is actually not so much the Ukrainians who are fighting very bravely, but a lack of a strategy on the part of the administration to actually bring this war to a conclusion.
1: Right. You mentioned big time assets being sent for the United States in the forms of billions of dollars, but also military equipment, getting military equipment in there as well. Are we doing enough? And that doesn't necessarily mean giving enough assets, but are we doing enough strategy wise to help Ukraine?
0: I really think we aren't. And one of the things that's deeply troubling to us at the Heritage Foundation, where, of course, we we prize fiscal conservatism, is the fact that these roughly 50 billion Congress appropriated in the spring, which was an emergency, we had to get it done. Only 6 billion of that, John, was for direct military aid. So we have these massive pots of money that are being deployed by USAID, by the State Department, uh, for, for heaven knows what kind of social programs in Ukraine, which I really think detracts from the main mission, which has to be to end this war on conditions that are favorable to Kiev and Washington.
1: Yeah, that's an important note to know where that money's going. And in this case, we don't exactly know where this is going. Again, we're speaking with Victoria Coates. I want to preface this question with this part. You were a key member in the Trump administration. I've heard a lot of takes out there that... This war might not even be going on had Donald Trump won re-election in 2020. What's your feeling on that? Do you think that uh, this war might have been avoided?
0: I th- certainly think there was there was the possibility of it. Uh you know, President Trump was very clear with Putin uh what what his red lines are, what he would tolerate or not tolerate. Uh there's some pretty colorful language about what he thought he might do to Moscow if if Putin went into Ukraine. Uh that that is In the media, I I did not witness it personally, but it wouldn't surprise me if if he did indeed say that. And it gave gave Putin clarity uh, about what the United States would tolerate. And, you know, we also had the maximum pressure campaign on Iran, which completely devastated the Iranian economy and actually gave the Biden administration when they came in in 21, tremendous leverage if they had chosen to exercise it over the Iranians. And Putin saw that and it worried him that we would do a similar sanctions program on Russia if if he if he was aggressive toward his neighbors. And, you know, unfortunately, we have not uh, implemented that kind of crushing sanctions program, which I think is the one thing that would uh, change his calculus and get him to withdraw.
1: But since the war started, the United States has, in fact, introduced a number of sanctions, though. Do you think that has been a positive for the Biden administration?
0: I I don't think they've gone anywhere near far enough. I think the original tranche of sanctions did uh, shock the Russian economy and put the ruble into a free fall. But in early April, the president chose President Biden chose not to implement the much broader sanctions on the full banking system of Russia. If you did that, you would literally shut them down. And in a matter of weeks, uh, they would run out of hard currency and not be able to pay their bills and go into a full default. And that, in my opinion, is the, the really uh, economic nuclear option, uh, for want of a better term, that the United States holds that no one else does. And I think this is a sufficiently horrendous situation that we really need to get resolved, that, that the administration should put that on the table and we should do it in conjunction with our European allies and you know manage the situation as best we can, but get this war to an end.
1: A key factor in this war has been energy, whether it be China buying energy supplies from Russia, Europe trying to free themselves from Russian energy supplies. And then you've got the the United States factoring in as well. But a big issue has emerged within Ukraine in the fighting here with this nuclear power plant in the southern part of the country. It's nuclear. So we're talking about reactors and we got a lot of missiles flying around this thing. There's been a lot of back and forth between Ukraine and Russia what is your assessment of what's going to happen with this nuclear power plant, and just how dangerous is this?
0: it's It's deeply dangerous, John. I mean, this is one the largest uh, nuclear power plant in Ukraine, and it has been a major uh, part of their grid and keeping their electric grid stable, and it's now fully offline. And as you say, there's all sorts of fighting going on around it. And you know these are very fragile, potentially dangerous, uh, plants. And I think basically what russia what Putin is doing is practicing nuclear terrorism in a way. He's trying to frighten the uh, Ukrainians into submission uh, by threatening the plant. And what's really quite ironic about it is meanwhile, in Vienna, Russian and American diplomats are collaborating on a nuclear deal for Iran, which is crazy because the Russians have just demonstrated in Ukraine that they do not take nuclear uh, security seriously, and that they are willing to use it as a tool of coercion. And so I would be very, very cautious about putting any kind of guarantee for an Iranian nuclear deal into their hands.
1: Our guest today, Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Trump. She's with the Heritage Foundation now, and she believes that American policy is leading to this war possibly being worse than it has to be, and doesn't like where the Iran nuclear deal looks like it's heading. We'll have more coming up next. We just talked about that nuclear power plan. I want to talk about nuclear weapons and the United States not wanting Iran to get a hold of them. Of course, we all know Former President Trump took the U.S. out of that Iran nuclear deal. Now current President Biden and his administration is trying to negotiate possibly a new deal along with other powers at B. There's been kind of uh, forward and backwards momentum when it comes to this deal, Victoria. For a little while it looked like it wouldn't get done. Now it looks like something is happening with Iran and a big factor in this is the inspections of Iran and their possible nuclear ambitions. Can we talk about how you assess this deal that's being negotiated with the Biden administration and if Iran will actually live up to their half of it?
0: I would be extremely skeptical of any attempt to uh, verify Iranian compliance with a with new deal. They've cheated on every single deal uh, they've had in the past. They are in violation of the Non Proliferation treaty, which they signed. Uh, they, they are a bad actor in the nuclear space, and they spend a lot of time talking about their desire to annihilate the united states and to annihilate israel and to attack their their arab neighbors and so i mean i think they definitely are have nuclear ambitions they're also working very hard on on a missile program to deliver the weapons and it's simply a case of when they decide they want one and you know the the problem with the this nuclear deal this is if it does anything at all it might curb their domestic ability to produce a weapon it does nothing to prevent them from buying a weapon on the black market Uh, And so the idea that this is somehow going to prevent them from going nuclear if they make the decision to take that step is delusional.
1: Right. And might that black market be from, I don't know, North Korea, maybe even Russia? Who knows? Right. You said Russia is involved in the talks there in Vienna. So I guess anything could happen. Let's continue the conversation about Iran. I remember that when Trump pulled the U.S. out of it, a big sticking point, a big part of that was because in the original deal, that Iran wasn't forced to give up their financing to terror groups around the world, talking about things like the Houthi rebels fighting in Yemen. And Iran's got money in places that people don't even realize. Might that be a part of this new deal, do you think? Or is that something the United States is missing by stopping Iran from financing terrorism around the world?
0: Unfortunately, I think it's very much not part of what's going to come out of Vienna. And if you look at the expenditures of the Iranian government in the period after the original uh, deal was implemented in 2015 and they got all the pallets of cash, uh, all the sanctions relief, all of that money went into the military, went into the IRGC, uh, which the Trump administration placed on the foreign terrorist uh, organization list for excellent reasons that we can get into. Uh, but but the problem is is they didn't invest any of that money. John Kerry told us that they were going to you know in, invest in curing cancer and all of these wonderful things. None of that came to pass. But what you got was money pouring into Yemen to fuel that civil war. Mon- more money pouring into Syria, into Lebanon, into Gaza, to uh, to support Hezbollah and Hamas and fuel attacks on Israel. And then you see the IRGC running around trying to bomb a political rally in, uh, in Paris in 2018. I mean, they are just sowing mayhem based on the windfall they got from the 2015 deal. They will do the same thing with this deal. They are not going to invest this in the infrastructure improvements the Iranian people desperately need. They are simply going to use it for further aggression and violence.
1: Some great insight in some extremely serious issues. Victoria Coates, we appreciate your time. And thank you for joining us here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, John.
1: You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com.